Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Thank you so much for your prayers and your support. Well, I'll get through that. I, didn't, I, was gonna get, I wasn't going to get emotional. I told myself that. But anyways, uh, let me pray. Uh, I had the opportunity to continue our series, Surfing in the Psalms. And uh, I believe that God has something for us this morning or I wouldn't be up here, to be honest with you. And so I'm going to pray that God would, uh, would speak, because I know he will. But I'm also going to pray, and I always say this, that we'll listen to him and then live out whatever he challenges us with. All right? So let me pray. Dear, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for the privilege we have to gather as a family in your presence to sing worship to you. Lord, I pray we never ever take that for granted, and I pray we never ever get tired of that because that's what we're going to do in glory, and we look forward to that. But in these next few moments, we're going to open your word, and you have something for each one of us because none of us are here by chance or coincidence. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the ears to hear whatever you want us to do, but then the feet to go and live it out. Lord, I pray that this would be sacred ground because I know that you have something for us, but I know the enemy doesn't want us to hear this. And so I pray you protect this place. I pray you move all the distractions of the week, any distractions that could happen in the service, Lord. I pray that it wouldn't take our attention off you. And Lord, I pray this, that you would get me out of the way. Lord, I pray this morning for your strength. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that you are the potter and I'm the clay. And so Lord, what I'm gonna say in the next few moments, I want it to be from you and not from me. And I pray, amen. I want to begin by asking you a question. How many of you ever felt like this? Look at this picture. How many of you ever felt like a fish out of water? You're in a situation where you know you just don't fit in, you don't belong, right? All because there was something, there's something about you that was different. And as I was preparing for this morning's uh, message, I was thinking back on my life, and one particular time stood out to me, and it happened while I was here. It happened in 2008, and I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to Honduras. If you remember, we, did, uh, we helped a Agape church, and we did it for five years, and I had the privilege of going the very last year when they, we, we wrapped things up. And I gotta be honest with you, the moment I stepped off the plane, I knew that I was a fish out of water. And for a few reasons. First of all, my skin color was different. I was white, and so I stood out. Second of all, as much as they tried to teach us Spanish, I didn't catch any of it. And so they're speaking in Spanish. They're pointing at me, laughing, doing things. I have no idea what they're saying. All right. Third is I was a good foot and a half taller than all the Hondurans. So I was just like this giant. And then another thing that's interesting is this, is most Hondurans can't grow something like this. Okay, this can't. It's not a slam, it's just a fact. And so I was, I stood out like a store thumb. In fact, the kids had a nickname for me. They called me Oso Grande. <laughs> for those who know Spanish, you know what it is. For those who don't, it's called Big Bear. <laughs> I was big, and apparently I was, I was hairy. So I was just so different. In fact, it's interesting. When you go into Hond in Honduras, it's a little different than here, because when you go into a grocery store here, there's no armed security guards or malls, but there is there. And every time I walked in, they literally followed me. In fact, one time I had four guys follow me and they had shotguns. And all I wanted was a bag of chips. That's all I wanted. And uh, so it was kind of interesting. But the reason why was because I was a fish out of water. And it was very evident that I didn't belong and that I wasn't from Honduras. All right? 
Now, don't get me wrong. It was an amazing time, met some amazing people. God did some amazing things. But the whole time I was there, I gotta be honest with you, I felt like a fish out of water. And it wasn't a bad feeling, but for those two weeks, that was my reality. I couldn't change it. Now, like I said earlier, I think we've all felt like a fish out of water at some point in our lives. Because for some reason, we have felt like we don't fit in or belong. And here's the thing, is when that happens, there's always one of two responses we do. First, we might try to blend in. What we'll do is this, is we will alter and change who we are so that we can be accepted and fit in better. Or we are okay with standing out because we know we're different. And so what we do is we embrace who we are and we just live with it. Now, this is what I want you to get this morning. I believe this. When it comes to our faith, listen to me, we are fish out of water. The Bible refers to Christians as foreigners in 1 Peter chapter 2. In other words, this world is not our home. In fact, Jesus, in one of his final prayers in the gospel, he prays this in John 17. It should be on the screen. John 17, verses 14 to 16, it says this. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Get this. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer, is not you, that, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. What Jesus is saying here is this. If we choose to follow him, listen to me, we will be fish out of water. In fact, if we choose to hold to God's truth, it says in this passage that the world is going to hate us. And I think it's interesting when Jesus prays, he doesn't, he doesn't say to take them out of the world. He says, God, just protect them as they're in the world. Watch over them. And so here's the truth that we can embrace this morning, we can anchor ourselves to, and it's this, is that even though we're fish out of water, even though this is not our home, here's the cool thing, is that God will always go before us. Do you believe that? And the reason why is because we don't belong to this world. I don't know about you, but I am so glad I don't belong to this world. Because I look at this world and this world is messed up. But God says this, that we don't belong to this world, we belong to him. And that is amazing promise. That's an amazing truth that we want to anchor ourselves to. And so the big question we want to answer this morning is this then. How do we survive as fish out of water in this world that God has placed us in? Well, here's the good news. We are not the first ones to feel this way because the Israelites were fish out of water all the time. You see, they were God's chosen people and they were surrounded by nations who had no regard for God and his truth. And so they always felt out of place. I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles or your devices, whatever you have, and I want you to turn to Psalm 84. That's the psalm we're going to look at this morning. We're going to park ourselves there, and so I want you to see this for yourself. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you. Come and see me afterwards. We would love to get one in your hands. It's going to be on the screen, so don't worry, but I think it's really powerful when we can actually see it for ourselves, okay? So we're, at, we're in Psalm 84, and we're going to read the entire psalm, okay? Verses 1 to 12. I'm going to start at verse 1, and it says this. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the shower a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs. They, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed. And we sang this this morning. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who, whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now, let me give a little background on this psalm. This psalm was written by a Jewish man who could not go to the temple in Jerusalem in order to celebrate one of the three feasts that they, the Jewish people observed. You see, for 40 years after the exodus from Egypt, the Jews were a wandering people. But here's the thing, is even after the promised land, these three, fe these three feasts reminded them that they were still pilgrims on this earth because this earth was not their home. And what I want to remind us this morning is this, is as believers today, I believe the same is true. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I was preparing, I was reading some of Warren Wearsby's stuff, and he made this point. I don't want you to miss here the word pilgrim because the word pilgrim here is very significant. Let me explain, okay? This is Warren Wearsby. A vagabond has no home. A fugitive is running from home. A stranger is away from home. But a pilgrim is heading home. You see, as children of God, we are, essence, we are essentially making our way home to glory. We are not vagabonds who have no home. We are not fugitives who are running from home. We are not strangers who are away from home. We are pilgrims who are heading home. And the great thing about this psalm is this, is in, the, in this psalm, the psalmist, what he does is this, is as we are journeying on this pilgrimage, he actually gives us three reminders. Three things I want to encourage you to write down somewhere, okay? He says, these are three things as you're journeying, as you're making your way home that you cannot forget. And the first thing is this, is our delight is in the Lord. It's very clear from this passage that the psalmist found great joy in being in the presence of the Lord. In fact, listen to verse 1 and 2 again. It says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, 
for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, what he's referring to here is actually the actual temple in Jerusalem, okay, where God actually dwelt. He dwelt in the holies of holies, and they would go, and they would be in God's presence. But let me ask you a question. Where is God today? Do you know? Let me read 1 Corinthians 3.16. God's template says is this. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? In other words, as believers, God lives in us because we are his temple. Now stop and just think for a moment, okay? Because I think we hear this. I grew up in the church and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. But here's the thing. The creator of the universe has said, I'm gonna dwell within you. Now, it's interesting. You look at the Bible and you see this progression that God made after the fall when it came to his relationship with man. Because in the Old Testament, what you see is you see God as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then what he does is this, that they create the, the, the tent of meeting, they also create the temple, and there's a place called the Holy of Holies. And if you read the Old Testament, it's kind of scary because only certain people could go into the Holy of Holies. And if they went into the Holy of Holies and made a mistake, God would take their lives. In fact, it's just said that what they would do is they would tie a rope to the priest's leg because if he did something wrong and he died, they couldn't go in and get him, so they'd pull him out. Okay? So here's the thing, is, is we're here and, and God is here in the Holy of Holies, and it's blocked off because of our sin. Now, you look at the Gospels, and what you see is this, is God says, okay, I'm going to get a step closer to man. I'm going to come in the form of a man who is who? Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to live here. I'm going to live among you now. And I am so thankful what Jesus did, because because of what Jesus did for us when he died on that cross, it doesn't stop there, because the church today, what the Bible says is this, is God becomes spirit, and his Holy Spirit indwells us. And it lives, he lives within us. Now, I want you to get this. This Jewish man, to be in God's presence, was very limited. That's why he's yearning for it. That's why he wants to go to the temple, because his presence, being in God's presence, was very, very limited. But hear me. For us, we can be in God's presence anytime, anywhere. It's very clear in this psalm that the writer had this heart that was devoted to the Lord, and he cries out for God with his entire being. In fact, in verse three, when he talks about the sparrow, what he's saying there is this, he actually envied these birds because they were allowed to nest in the temple courts near the altar. What he's saying is, man, I wish I was a bird because I could be close to you all the time. He also, in verse four, envies the priests and the Levites because they lived and worked in the temple in the presence of the Lord. And as you read these verses, we understand that the psalmist found great delight in being in the presence of the Lord, and he longed for it. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask all of us a question. Do we long to be in the presence of the Lord? Because we have access that this guy didn't even have. And how much delight do we find in the presence of the Lord? Like when you're, when you're doing your devotions, is it just checking in and just making time? Or are you actually sitting with God going, I don't want to do anything else. Right? 
The fact we have to ask ourselves is this, is how much time do we spend in the presence of the Lord? And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty because I'm just as guilty as you are. I am. But I read this passage and I go, man, this guy was just longing for it. And his, his access to God was very limited. And the Bible says this, that I can approach God anytime I want, but yet I'm not taking advantage of it. I believe that this psalmist would have envied us as well. And he would have given anything to have the privilege that we have. To have access to God anytime, anywhere because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on that cross. And I'm going to tell you something. And God convicted me of this. This is why it is so important that we don't take it for granted. And I can't speak for you, I can speak for myself. And I'll be real with you. As one of your pastors, if I'm being honest, I have taken it for granted. Sometimes I see God as a magic genie. Where I go and I rub the lamp, I spend time with God when I need him. But God's been convicting me, the man, Dave, you need to be drawn to me. You need to get into my presence and you need to be longing for that. We can't take it for granted. And we have to take advantage of it. I am sure if this psalmist was here today and he talked to me and he said, you have access to God anytime you want? How often do you go? And I said, well, when it's convenient. He probably would have looked at me and said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Because I, don't, I didn't have that. And you do, but you don't take advantage of it. You see, if we're going to journey well on this pilgrimage, our delight is in the Lord. And our delight is found when we're in the presence of God. Because you know as well as I do, there have been times in your life where you've been in God's presence and you've been like, this is so amazing. And there's been times where you don't want to go away from it. But if you're anything like me, the, the unfortunate thing is this, is that those times are very few and far between. Because we don't make it a practice. We don't yearn the same way this psalmist did. Our delight is in the Lord. We can't take it for granted, and we take advantage of it by being in his presence. Second thing I would say is this, is that our strength is in the Lord. A pilgrimage is a journey that takes time, and along the way there are hardships and there are obstacles that drain us of our strengths. And, and even there are probably times we get to a point where we want to give up because we feel that we cannot go on. Well, I believe this. This psalmist understood the trials of the pilgrimage, and he understood the joys, though, that lay ahead as he dwelt in the presence of the Lord. And for him, it was worth it. He says this in verse uh, 5 of, of Psalm 84. He says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. In the midst of the trials, there would have been, there would have, in the midst of trials that deplete our strength, his strength, the psalmist would have had to look to the Lord for his strength. Because the psalmist, his, his strength was gone. But God's strength was in him. And I believe this, that there have been times where the Lord's strength would have carried this psalmist on the journey because he couldn't do it himself. Now again, I don't know about you, but here's the problem that I find, is I tend to do a lot of things in my own strength. And I think the reason I do it is because I think I have something to prove to myself and to those around me. But here's the thing, is every time I do it, it always brings me to a point where I feel drained. And it's in those moments where I feel tired 
is when the enemy attacks. And what God's been teaching me lately is this. If I want to journey well on this pilgrimage, I have to do it in his strength and not mine. I have to realize this, that there is an ultimate power source in God that I must plug into. And I cannot afford to live my life unplugged from God. And the one thing I've noticed as a pastor, being in almost 30 years, is a lot of us live our life unplugged. We come to church, but we're not truly plugged in. Because the only God we get is on Sunday mornings when the, pre- when the preacher's up here preaching. And we wonder why our batteries are drained. Because we're not plugged in to what God wants. Because we don't know what God wants. Now, here's the thing. Is I know I always beat this drum when I preach, and I'll keep being it to the day I die. The way you get plugged into God is this. Is by being in his word and being in prayer on a daily basis. And this is the thing, you're saying, you're saying Dave, it's so tough. I know, because here's the thing, Satan makes it that way. Did you ever notice that the toughest things you do is praying and spending time in God's word? Because it's not physical, it's spiritual. Satan's like, you can do great things for this world, no problem. But he knows if you get into God's word and you pray to him, he is going to lose control in your life and he will do everything he possibly can to make that from happening or to keep you from God's word. And so what I want to tell you is this, is we can't live unplugged. We can't. If we want to, if we want to journey well on this pilgrimage, we have to make sure that we are plugged in to our power source, which is God. And so here's the thing. Our delight is in the Lord. Our strength is in the Lord. And the last thing he says is this, our trust is in the Lord. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of many, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Let me begin by saying this. Let's just put it out there. Trusting God is hard, right? Because it means this. It means walking by faith even when it doesn't make sense. Even when everyone else is saying, you are crazy for doing that. You're like, yes, but this is what God wants me to do. And then, giving everything to God, right? Everything. And trusting that he is going to work it all out. Now, as tough as that is, let me tell you something. It is essential if we want to journey well on this pilgrimage. And in Psalm 84, what you'll see is this, is the writer understood how to increase his trust in the Lord. And again, there's a theme coming through here, right? It was being in the presence of God. Because the more time we spend in his presence, the more we get to know him. And as a result, what happens is this, is the more we actually trust him. Verse 10, and we sang about it. I love this verse. I asked Gail Ann, I said, did you arrange Because it was a great song. Listen to what it says. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He doesn't stop there. He says, I would far rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, like the lowliest of lows, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now that is a very powerful statement because what he said was this is he believed it was better to spend one day in God's presence than a thousand elsewhere. 
And the world tells us the exact, the exact opposite. They say, make the most here and forget about that. But the psalmist goes, no, 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 no. I'd rather spend one day in God's presence than a thousand elsewhere. You see, he understood that to finish this journey, his trust had to be anchored in God. And that would only happen if he was in God's presence. In fact, he closes this this psalm with a very powerful declaration. He says this. He says, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And so he says, listen, all of us are on a pilgrimage. We're heading home. This is not our home. And he says, How if, you, if you want to do it well, understand these three things. Our delight is in the Lord, our strength is in the Lord, and our trust is in the Lord. Now, let me wrap this up and put a nice little bow on it, okay? Because what we want to do is we want to make this applicable because I believe this all in my heart. If we can't apply this, if you can't go out today and you can't live it out, then we have wasted our time. Jesus said this, anyone who hears these words of mine as I put them to practice is foolish. Whatever hears these words of mine and puts them to practice is wise. And so my prayer, and I know as a staff, a staff, our prayer is this, is that you are wise. That what we give you, you can go and live out. So, here's the truth. As Christians, we are fish out of water. And let me tell you this, it'll continue until the day we are called home. So just accept that. It's truth. And listen to this. This world is not our home. So we can't make ourselves at home. And when God gave me that, this world is not our home, so we can't make ourselves at home, I was convicted. Because there are many times where I've made myself at home. And I forgot about the fact that this is not my home. You know, it's, it's kind of like we need to live our lives with our bags packed ready to be called home at any moment. And that is why the psalmist gives us three reminders. As you're journeying on this pilgrimage, okay, if you want to do it well, remember these three things. Our delight is in the Lord, our strength is in the Lord, and our trust is in the Lord. But what I want to do is this. The, 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 the psalmist gave you this. What I want to do is I want to talk about, okay, I want to give you two challenges how to finish the pilgrimage. He talks about how doing it well. I want to challenge you with two things that God gave me, how to finish it well. Two things, and you want to write these down. Number one, you want to finish well? Remain focused. Christ is coming back. Do you believe that? Wow, I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Christ is coming back. Do you believe that? Yeah. Okay, that's good. So here's the thing. If we believe that, listen to me, if we truly believe that, we need to put our money where our mouth is. We need to live in light of eternity. And you know what that looks like? Because God convicts you every day. Hey, listen, you're living for the wrong things. We need to live in light of eternity and not live for the moment. Now, I want to use an illustration that I've used before. I do have an object because everyone's like, where's your object? I saved it to the end, all right? And this is not mine. This is Francis Chance. So I'm going to give credit to where credit's due. But I've used this before, and I think it's really great. And I'm just going to throw it out. All right. What I want you to pretend is that this rope goes on forever. Okay? I could not get a rope that long. I couldn't afford it. So I got something from my garage. All right? But I want you to pretend this goes on forever. And this rope represents your life. Okay? If you notice on the end, there's a little black mark. I made it big enough so you can see it. This represents your life here on earth. 
This rope that continues forever represents your life in eternity. And when Francis, I'm a very visual person, and when Francis Chan showed me this, and I watched one of his YouTube videos, sermons, it blew me away. Because I was personally convicted how much time I spent focused on this, which has an end, to how much time I focused here. We need to realize this this morning. There is so much going on here that wants to distract us from living in light of this. And I'm not being mean when I say this, I'm just speaking truth. There are so many Christians who are living for this and they forget about this. Because it's all about the here and now. Now, if we want to journey well on this pilgrimage, we have to have laser focus on this. Now, I'm not saying that you don't enjoy the blessings of this world. Understand, I'm not going saying go sell your stuff. and you know, I'm not saying that. I, I think it's, God blesses us with things in this world because we're his children. But I want you to understand, the blessings here don't even compare to the blessings of this life. And that's what amazes me with people who are very godly. I remember Dr. Roy before he passed. I went to visit him. Very godly man, like just someone I totally respected. And he said to me, Dave, he said, I am excited. I'm excited about going home because I know what awaits me in heaven is far greater than anything I've experienced here on earth. You know, C.S. Lewis is an amazing author. And I found this quote, someone had told me about it, and I thought it was amazing. It'll be on on the screen there. It says this, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Let me read that again. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. And so if we want to finish well, if we want to finish this pilgrimage well, we have to remain focused. All right. Second thing I would say to you, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, is we have to remain faithful. Remain focused, remain faithful. If you look at the cultural climate today, especially in Canada, right? It's interesting, I was in the United States, and we were the only Canadian group, and so like we're a phenomena, and they're asking us all these questions. Do you live in igloos? No. Do you eat whale blubber? A little bit. No, I didn't do that. But we did all that kind of stuff. And, and they were saying how, how just pagan the states were. And then I started talking about Canada, and they're like, you guys are really bad. I'm like, yeah, we are. All right? Because the cultural climate, well, you'll quickly notice something, that God's truth is not popular. And you know why God's truth is not popular? It's because God's truth is absolute. And the world says this, there is no absolute truth because everything is relative. And so truth for Donald might be different than truth for me. Right? So it's all relative. Now, the funny thing is this, is that statement when you say there's no absolute truth, what is that? It's an absolute truth. They contradict themselves because what they're saying is there's absolutely no absolute truth. And it's like that makes no sense at all. But here's my point. Despite the contradiction, what I want you to get is this, is there is a lot of pressure to conform. I have two kids at secular colleges, and I remember my daughter saying one time that one of the professors actually made a a slight at her because he knew she was a Christian. And so there is pressure all over the place. There is pressure to deny God's truth. 
and there is pressure to alter God's truth to make it fit. But as children of God, we must hold to God's truth as an unaltered foundation in our lives. And I'll tell you something, it is becoming an uphill battle. Some of the things that the government wants to pass, and I'm not going to go into it, but it's just like, wow. Because the reason it's an uphill battle is because we are fighting against the current of culture. And I know that that current is really strong. But as believers, I believe that God is stronger. Amen? Now, unfortunately, the Bible tells us in the last days, many who say they're Christians will bend, will make alterations. Well, God, it changed. God doesn't really think that anymore. And that is a dangerous thing because they will be swept away in the current. But the Bible tells us if we anchor ourselves in God's absolute truth and remain faithful to it, we will not be swept away. We won't. Because God's truth is from the beginning of time. People have tried to change it. They haven't been able to. And it's going to continue until we're called home. All right. Let me close by saying this. The world is not our home, so let's not make ourselves at home. We are pilgrims on a journey heading home to glory, and I am so thankful for that. And the psalmist reminds us that our delight is in the Lord. We actually delight in his presence. That means we need to be in his presence. Also, our strength is in the Lord, so we need to plug ourselves in to God, who is our ultimate power source, by being in his word and being in prayer on a daily basis. And then finally, our trust is in the Lord. We need to walk by faith even when it doesn't make sense. And we need to give everything to God and trust that he'll make it all work out. And then, don't forget the two challenges. Remain focused. Live in light of eternity. And don't live in light of the moment. Don't forget that rope. When I saw that rope, I was like, oh my goodness. I have got it so backwards. And then finally is this, is remain faithful. Remain faithful. Even in the times where it's tough, just walk by faith. Right. And, and, and be anchored in the unaltered, absolute truth of God's word. Yes, we are fish out of water, but here's the good news. We have a home that awaits us in glory. For some of us, we'll get the little, I'll, I'll get there a little earlier than some of my youth, but the thing is we're all gonna get there. And here's the thing, let's not forget the words of the psalmist. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Let's pray.